welcome. Welcome to Discover Rising Tides, How the Outside Makes the Inside Better, where we, where we explore the importance of the outdoors and maintaining life balance. Today is show number 30. And through this series, we'll be talking with uh, business owners to understand, women business owners to understand their journey. We'll also, as we normally do, be hearing from Lynn Schussler-Williams and her segment on Rising Up. So, but first, I'm excited to introduce Allison Verhalen. Hi, Allison. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Very good. Very good. So, give us a quick, a quick little um, rundown on your bio, but then we'll talk about a lot of it. Yeah. So, uh, my company is AV Writing Services. I am a content marketer, SEO strategist, speaker, and author. And as you and I were talking in our call before this, that that means a lot of screen time. So, yes, I enjoy getting outside and giving my eyes a little rest every now and then. Yes, and you have company when you do that too, don't you? I do have company, yes. I have a Siberian Husky who makes sure that I go for very long walks as long as it's weather appropriate for her, which means less than like 80 degrees, 70 if it's, you know, humid. So <laughs> now that we're into the, the 80s, we're recording this in July. So now she's she's not so psyched about the longer walks, but yeah. we do still go for a walk every day and in the winter she wants to go for a really really long walks so yeah I get my steps in every day <laughs> that's that's fantastic and my dog is weather dependent too but she's less flexible than yours because she doesn't have a heat regulator so she doesn't do really hot and she has to be bundled for really cold she's super pathetic <laughs> and I'm in California and right now it's, it's ridiculous Ugh. yeah it's and so <clears throat> she's actually out of town with my husband in a much better climate for her to be outside but we'll get to all that so so tell me tell, tell us about your so you have many different things between a writer and author uh speaker so how did you where would you like to start and how did you how did all of these find you uh, one at a time. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. I have always, always loved writing, always wanted to be a writer when I was growing up, was told that writers don't make any money and I should choose a more practical career. So I ended up majoring in English and psychology, which mm -hmm. little did I know is actually the perfect degree for content marketing. I had no idea what content marketing was. I thought I was going to go work in publishing because I figured if I can't make a living writing books, maybe I could make a living making books. Mm -hmm. Well, I graduated in 2009, right after the job market crashed. So there were no jobs to be had in publishing or really anywhere else. So I was a receptionist. I was in customer service. They were jobs. They were not careers. Found myself between jobs at one point. And my roommate at the time, her dad, who was an attorney, was awesome and offered to give me stuff to do around his office until I got back on my feet. And one of the things he needed was someone to write blog posts for his law firm. And he knew I had a strong writing background. So he offered me the gig. I was more than happy to get paid to write because that was the dream. So I jumped at that chance um, and it just kept growing from there. I started writing for an associate of his and then for some friends of mine, did eventually get another day job, but kept writing on the side and it just kept growing to the point where I could not do both anymore. So quit the day job almost eight years ago now and wow. have been doing this ever since. That's amazing. So, you know, you have those um, thoughts that, oh, I could write that or, oh, that would be great to be able to be, um, what's the... Oh gosh, what's the the lady that wrote the vampire book that she was like a housewife and she wrote the book and now she's famous? Which vampire book? The um the Twilight series? Yes, that one. I'm trying to remember the author's name. 
I can't remember either. So, but um, so you you always have these. Well, I could write that. I am not a writer. There is there is no question. I struggle with blog posts, right? And so it always amazes me that somebody that can take thoughts in your brain and and turn them into words on a paper. And I'm an avid reader. I read all the time. I could curl up on the couch and read for days. And so I have to actually watch how much I read so that I do other things. And I've always been amazed at how people can take, take thoughts coherently in detail and create words that create pictures for other people. And so is it, how is it different or how, what is it like to, to write for other people? So you're not necessarily writing your content, you're taking somebody else's idea and their thoughts and having to, what's the background that you have to go through to write content for others? It depends on the client. Um, mostly it involves a lot of online research. I think in the early days when I started writing for some of the, the first attorneys I wrote for, they would send me like a newspaper article and they would say, turn this into a blog post. Um, mm -hmm. And basically I would not copy it, but I would mm -hmm. rewrite it in such a way so that it was more of a blog post and less of a newspaper article mm -hmm. um, with that call to action at the end of, if you need someone who does this, we do this. Um, so what's the difference between a newspaper article and a blog post? What do you look for? Um, you're going to have more quotes in a newspaper article because they get to actually talk to the sources. Um, with a blog post, I'm not usually talking to the sources, although you absolutely can do that, especially if you want your, your blog post to be like a case study or success story for one of your clients, which is absolutely a valid option. Um, but you're not going to be like talking to all these different sources and getting quotes together. Um, Newspaper articles also usually are required to show both sides, whereas mm -hmm. with a blog post, we're not required to. We can be as biased as we want to, um, and we do want to put our company in a certain light um, and our services in a certain light. So I, I'd say that's the main difference. Interesting. And so it's really possible to be to write content for subjects that you might not yourself be familiar with as long as you're researching and getting the information for that particular article. Right. And I've done some blog posts where I just do the research online. I mm -hmm. just Google it and find good resources. Sometimes clients give me the resources. Sometimes I interview the clients. I've also had clients who know they want a blog post on something, but um, like you said, they're not writers that's not their strong suit but they can talk about it all day so they'll send me an audio file where they talk about it and I just clean it up and turn it into a nice blog post for them oh that's a great idea that's awesome and so do, are there you mentioned attorneys and that's how it started or do you mostly do attorney law work or, or have you do you expand yeah, I do write for others, although I do focus on attorneys and financial planners is kind of the other niche I've developed. Um, I've also been writing for more coaches and realtors lately. Um, so really all of those professional service industries, those people who need to educate their clients and position themselves as an authority in their industry, that's really my sweet spot for the, the people that I write for. That's an interesting transition from attorneys and financial planners to realtors and coaches. Um, how did that, how did that evolve? Just networking. Um, it, it's, it is one of those things where you, when you say you're a writer, everyone goes, oh, I need a writer or I need help with blogging because yes, everyone should be blogging. Um, and oh, it, Really? <laughs> yes. Yes. Everyone needs a blog. I'm sorry. <laughs> I hate to be the bearer of bad news. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would network and get myself out there. And um, I realized that coaches and realtors uh, tended to gravitate towards me because they understood 
um, the, the importance of what I provide. So, so a lot of business the- coaches are telling their clients that they need to be blogging. So they're like, well, I'm telling my clients I need to, I, they need to. I, I should probably be doing it too. So why, why do people need to blog? What does because, it do for them? Yeah, well, it does a number of things. So first of all, it helps you show up in those Google searches. Google prefers new content. You can't just put up a bunch of landing pages and let it sit there forever and assume that it's going to drive traffic for you. Um, It can to a point, especially if you have like a Google My Business page, but Google really prefers that new content. So especially when people are in the early stages, figuring out, you know, what is this? Do I need this? Why do I need this? Those kinds of searches, that's where the blog posts come in and can help you get in front of those people when they're just starting to to learn about your industry and your Mm -hmm. services. And when you get in front of them early, you can kind of reel them in, lead them through the buyer journey um, and turn them them into clients. Mm -hmm. But you need that content, that new content on your website in order to get Google's attention. Because anytime there's newer content, Google is going to prioritize that over your older content. So you you really do need to keep blogging. Um, It lets Google know that there's still someone behind the business. It lets real life people know that there's still someone behind the business. If they get to your website and they see you haven't posted anything since April, they're going to wonder like, is is there anyone still doing this website or is it just kind of sitting here? Um, The other thing is it does is it positions you as a thought leader in your industry and it it explains to people why they should be working with you over someone else. Um, And it educates your clients. I had a client one time who reached out to me um, because she'd been reading my blog post for a while and she needed my services. And when it got down to, okay, what do you need? I didn't have to try to upsell her because she had mm. been reading my, my blog post. She knew the value of longer content. She knew all the stats because they were in my blog post. So it was, we got to go straight to, okay, how much is this going to cost? Where's the contract? Let's get this moving. So it was so much easier. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And so how often should people blog or post new information? At least once a week, uh, mm-hmm. the people who are seeing results from their blogs are, are posting at least once a week. Um, the people, the more often you post, the more results you tend to see. So mm-hmm. the people who are posting daily or even multiple times a day get the best results. But keep in mind, those are people who either have a team of people writing for them uh, and or they rely on a lot of guest blog posts. So if you're a solo printer doing this yourself or if you're hiring one or two people like myself, we do not... <laughs> That is not a reasonable expectation, um, but that is, I, I would say at least once a week. And how long does a blog need to be? Or does that matter? It depends on the keyword. Um, so, I, I mean, Google does prioritize content that's at least 500 words. So that is always the minimum that I start with is 500 words. Some SEO professionals have gone longer saying like 2,000, even 3,000 words per blog post, just because Google does love that longer, juicier content, the the content that gets really in-depth into a particular topic. Um, The average length of a post that ranks on the first page of Google is like 1,700 words. Mm. So again, that's the average. There's shorter, there's longer content that shows up on the first page of Google. I would say it depends on the keyword. So if Mm -hmm. you're if you've got your target keyword, you know, the topic you're covering, you're looking at some other blog posts that cover that and they're ranking highly and they only have like 700, 800 words, then I'd say that's fine for, uh, for your blog post. It doesn't need to be much longer than that. It it should be, if you can. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think I always, I mean, I know I always prioritize quality over quantity. So don't try to hit a number or a word count just because 
but really try to make sure that you are covering everything there is to cover on that particular topic so that your blog post is the ultimate guide to that particular topic. So if anyone wants to know anything about it, they can find it on your website. If they can find other information about it elsewhere, they have that opportunity to go elsewhere. But if you can cover everything there is to cover, you're going to increase your chances of, of getting Google's attention and showing up on that first page. Interesting. So keywords. So do you choose a keyword? Does the keyword drive the content or does the content drive the keyword? The keyword drives the content. That's the first thing that I always look at is what is what is our target keyword? You should always have a target keyword, which is like your main keyword that you're really targeting for that piece of content and then related keywords to go with it. Your target keyword should be throughout your content, but the related keywords should also be throughout the content. Um, those are keywords that are you know, not identical to the target keyword, but they're related to it. You're gonna see those, anytime you do keyword research, you're gonna find, it'll give you a, a chunk of related keywords for any keyword that you put in. So you should make sure those are sprinkled throughout your content. So yeah, absolutely figure out what those keywords are, figure out what the search intent of that keyword is, because there are different things people are looking for when they search different things. So for a blog post, you're going to focus on like the how to's and the why's and the what is so that you're educating your audience. A lot of people will search um, if they're if they're looking to buy something, they're going to put that into the, the search term mm. that they're using. It'll be like best price on such and such or what's the best XYZ. Um, or where can I buy this product, right? Or or get this service, who provides this service, right? So um, that's another thing because sometimes it's really obvious and sometimes it's not so obvious. Mm -hmm. So always, always research your keyword, like know the keyword you wanna target, but then also see what other content is already out there with that keyword, because that will give you an idea of the search intent. Oh, interesting, okay. And so can you give an example of a keyword and a related keyword? Yeah, so I mean, content marketing is one, but there are a million different ways that like people say content marketing strategy would probably mm -hmm. be a good target keyword just because that tends to have less competition, whereas everyone's talking about content marketing these days. So that's mm -hmm. a related keyword that I might throw in, um, sprinkled in with the content just because content marketing strategy is kind of a mouthful, but you can get those other keywords in there. Um, SEO is another one that is related to all of that blogging. Um, yeah, so anytime you do research in a in a keyword tool, it'll give you a whole bunch of um, related keywords along with the, the stats on that particular keyword that you're searching. Oh, interesting, okay. It, very complicated, but people like you can make it much easier to digest as well and making sure that that everything is covered not just that not just the great idea that needs to be written about any great idea can be written about but it might not be um found unless mm -hmm. there's it's done specifically mm -hmm. and so when you're writing content for people you're not able to use your name or your byline on that is that right right mm -hmm. And are you connected to those blogs at all so people can see your content or you're, you're um, doing it in the client's name so you're behind the scenes? It's nothing. That, is there anything that's embedded that follows it back to you? No, nothing. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes I do provide a backlink on my portfolio page. 
just because people want to see, you know, what I've been doing and, mm -hmm. and want to see proof of my writing. So I do have a portfolio and sometimes I will link to a client's blog post. Um, that's about it. But my name is not anywhere on there. My company is not anywhere on there. The whole idea is to position the client as a thought leader and an expert mm -hmm. in their industry. So I, I want their name all over everything. Um, I'm, I'm a ghostwriter, basically. Mm -hmm. You're not you're not supposed to see me. <laughs> Behind the scenes, totally. Right. And it, it really, um, it help, must help break up the, I don't, monotony is the wrong word, but if you're doing something for, maybe it is a good word, right? If you're doing something for one industry, your articles are all very similar, but it brings a little variety when you're able to find other niches that, that can, that work for you. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. That's one of my favorite parts of my job is that I, because I get to write for different companies and different industries, I get to learn all kinds of different things that I never would have known. Like I started writing for that attorney who happened to do employment law. And now I know way more about employment law than I ever thought I would. And did you ever realize, think about when you transitioned to full-time or were you, were you just working part-time as a blogger that it would, you would be here now, or was that really part of your plan? No, um, gosh, I think podcasts were still fairly new. I don't think I was even listening to podcasts at that point in time. I was a fairly late adopter. Considering I'm a millennial, you'd think I'd be one of the first people to listen to podcasts. Um, but no, and I don't, I mean, I. in addition to my two majors, I did also minor in theater. So although mm -hmm. public speaking was not part of my plan, if you had told me that I would be going this way, I, I absolutely would have believed you. Um, I would not have believed that I'd be going the SEO route just because mm -hmm. it is so analytical and so many number. I'm not normally a numbers person. I'm a word person. Um, and I felt at first when I first learned about SEO that it would be very restricting, like it was telling mm -hmm. me what to write about. Um, but I actually feel like it can be used for inspiration now that I use, mm -hmm. now that I have gotten more into SEO and I've realized that it's not as intimidating as I thought it would be. Um, and it's actually really interesting to see what people are writing about. So it's actually a, a great source of inspiration. Um, mm. So that's, I think that's the, the trajectory that my career has taken that has surprised me the most. That's interesting. Yeah. And, and to be able to, well, I think too, when you take a deeper dive into how a subject works or how, a, how an industry works and you're able to understand the, the the behind the scenes pieces it it brings more validity to what you're currently doing as well absolutely yeah mm -hmm. and so speakers so speaking theatrical right so how does the speaking piece work into and how do you what do you do there a lot of what I do with my blogging, um, mm -hmm. because I do have a number of presentations I've given that I also have a blog post on that same topic um, but it, uh, it just allows me to get in front of people in a different way. And, um, I think it allows me to expand my audience just because people might see me at a networking event or at a presentation who might not otherwise read my blog post, just like you and I are big readers. So we'll read all day long. Um, but a lot of people look at a chunk of text and, and their eyes glaze over and they won't read the whole thing. Right. But they might watch a video or they might attend a presentation that I give. Um, and it's the, the same basic idea where I, explain why blogging is so important, give tips on how they can use it in their day-to-day -day lives um, uh, to grow their business. That's fantastic. And so when, how do you find your, 
how do people find you? Not like giving your website address yet. We'll do that in the end. But how do you find clients and how do blogging clients and how do they, how do they find you? Is it mostly word of mouth or is it really networking? Yeah, networking and word of mouth are probably the two biggest ones. Um, Google and my website also have been good for me. I know at least one person did end up hiring me because he found my Google My Business page. Um, social media has been another one. I've been really active on LinkedIn lately. I got at least one client from LinkedIn just because we ended up you know, interacting with each other on LinkedIn and then he hired me. So um, yeah, I'm kind of all over the place. <laughs> How did you find that COVID affected your business? It really didn't. Um, I'd say the one way that it did affect my, I mean, I was always working from home. So mm. in that sense, it was um, like that part of my life was not upended. And like I said, I got to go walking outside with my dog every day. So I, I was not like trapped in my home 24 um, seven. The one big difference I think was that all the people who thought they did not need a website were suddenly like, oh gosh, I need a website. So I did get more business, in, especially in the early days of COVID as people were like scrambling to get a website together and then they needed content for the website. So then they would reach out to me. Mm. Um, so I think that was the biggest thing is that all of a sudden, because we were all at home and we were all online, suddenly people who thought who did not prioritize being online suddenly had to prioritize it. And that's where I came in. Yeah, it makes a difference, I think, too, for me as well. I didn't, I was already working from home, um, even as a financial advisor, which was not normal to work from home. I've been doing it for years. And so that, that um, physical transition in COVID wasn't so much of a drag. It was, well, that's was what I've been doing. So I didn't have to get through, slog through that mental process, right? Mm -hmm. But um, the, what, what makes a difference is everybody else being comfortable being online. Mm -hmm. That, that helps. And did yeah. that change your, your speaking piece or when did you start speaking as well? I had started before the pandemic, just at some of the networking events. Mm -hmm. um, I, and it wasn't until recently that I started reaching out to more podcasts to do more things like this. So mm -hmm. um, obviously when I did speak, I, I think it was, Again, it was before the pandemic when I started speaking and was like, this is something that's good for my business. I should do more of this. That was like right before the pandemic that I started doing that. So once the pandemic hit, it was like, well, get used to presenting on Zoom. And now it's like, <laughs> what should I wear on Zoom? How can I be camera ready? Um, all, all that good stuff. So yeah, it's, it's a, a little different for sure. The energy is definitely different. Mm -hmm. um, but on the flip side, it's a great way to get in front of people that I might never have gotten in front of mm -hmm. because I can serve people anywhere all, all over the world. So it is really beneficial to be able to present to and network with people who are international. Exactly. Yeah, that does change things quite a bit for you. And, and, and do you, where are typically your clients located right now? Demographically, are they similar or location wise, are they similar? Yeah, most of them are here in Chicago, just because mm -hmm. this is where I do most of my networking. So most of them are here. I have had clients in other parts. Um, I've had some on the East Coast. I think I had one or two in Florida for a while. Um, I have one who's like way down in Southern Illinois. So like we're in the same state, but I've, I've never met her because it is quite a drive. Yeah, so but it does. And that's one of the great things about COVID is that it has it has shown us what a small world it is and kind of, well, mm -hmm. like you and me, right? I'm in California you're in Chicago. And I met you through another person who I met through a networking 
event. And we would never have um, come in touch with each other in, in pre-COVID situations, most likely. Right, so yeah. It makes a huge difference. And so um, author, you obviously are a blog, blog author. Do you do any types, any other types of writing or is it primarily blog posts? It's primarily blog posts. That is my bread and butter. I do mm -hmm. also do website content some email marketing. Um, and I've written, I've written my own book, Content Marketing Made Easy. Um, I've written, that's a little on the long side. I've never written anything that long for a client. I have written shorter eBooks mm -hmm. for some clients, um, the kinds of books that they put up on their website, like a lead magnet that mm -hmm. people can download and use. Um, so I've written those. Um, yeah, basically anytime you need content written, I've written press releases. Um, I do not do social media. That is the one that I, that's where I draw the line. Um, just because I did it for a while. It was fine. It was just, I was okay at it, but I know there are people at it who are better at it than I am. Um, what's, the difference? More than I do. what's the difference between the social media and a blog post? Um, social media is usually a lot shorter, especially when you're talking about like Twitter. Um, although with Facebook and LinkedIn, some of the longer posts have, mm -hmm. um, have been getting more traction. Um, it's just, it's a whole different ballgame as far as, you know, the algorithm keywords may or may not work the same way on there. I mean, mm -hmm. it's all getting indexed and categorized by Google. So you can still find those posts through a Google search. Um, it's just, it's just not what I want to be doing. The shorter content and the more short lived content is just not my thing. Mm. Tell me about your book. Content marketing made easy is all about, it's uh, about making content marketing easy. Like I said, when I discovered SEO, I was, I would have been way too intimidated um, to try it, but it was just one of those things where I, the more I did blogging, the more I found that blogging and SEO really go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other these days. So I kind of had to learn SEO on the fly. Um, and like I said, it's ended up being one of my favorite parts of my job. It's actually really fascinating and not nearly as intimidating as I thought it would be. So the whole idea behind content marketing made easy is to make it easy and accessible for the average person and, and to explain that like SEO doesn't have to be scary. Blogging doesn't have to be scary. You just have to understand how it works. So mm -hmm. here's how it works. And here's the, here's the piece of your psychology major that comes into play, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So learning what, what's going to trigger people or what you might want to I think what's fascinating about it is, is what might trigger people today or last week might not be relevant in six months, right? And it's, and it can change. And how do you, can you drive that change or be more proactive than reactive? And how do you, how do you think of, do you ever think about things of that sort? And Oh, for sure. Yeah. Because Google is constantly changing their algorithm and and I do mean constantly every six months or so they'll have what they call a core update, which is a big change to their algorithm. Mm -hmm. And that's when, if you're tracking your website traffic, you might go, what the heck just happened? Because people tend to see spikes and dips and spikes and mm. it gets a little crazy. Um, but even, you know, when they're not doing that, Google is constantly making tiny adjustments to their algorithm. Um, so they're, they're constantly adjusting. So yes, there's a lot of, a lot of memes online about, you know, people, reacting after Google makes an update and people scrambling and, and wondering why their their uh, traffic fell or their search mm -hmm. ranking position fell or 
you know, what to do about it. Um, so we never really know what Google is doing because they tend to announce these core updates. Like, by the way, we're doing a core update now. <laughs> Yeah. or in like a few hours actually 10 minutes ago this actually yeah. happened <laughs> yeah they well and that actually happened with the last one i want to say a week or two before they announced it people started noticing weird things so it was like did they roll it out early or were they beta testing in the real world before they officially rolled it out oh um, by the way so yeah oh by the way we're doing this thing so um yeah that can get a little a little screwy and mm -hmm. and put a lot of people in reactive mode um the way i think of it is just like google just at the end of the day it's just trying to get good content in front of its users it just wants to help people answer the questions they're asking um and drive them towards you know high quality content in a website that's that's trustworthy that um is a reliable resource um and yes there are tricks and strategies you can use to tell google you know that to convince google that you're reliable and you're really an authority in your industry but at the end of the day, if you're at answering your target audience's questions in a comprehensive way um, and creating high quality content on a regular basis, you should be good to go. So yes, your day is involved with a lot of screen time, right? And and read between research and writing and create and creating. So do you who tells you who who says something first you or the dog that says i've had enough and i gotta go <laughs> um it's usually me um we do have fairly set walk times mm -hmm. um i'm afraid to even say that word yeah. <laughs> out loud <laughs> um she's actually very patient especially for a husky she'll she's had days where she waits a really long time between walks and she's totally chill she'll just nap until until she starts to see me getting my clothes on and that's when she's like okay we're going yeah it's funny because um, my dog does the same thing she she watches to see what not just what i'm doing but what i happen to be wearing or mm -hmm. what clothes i'm pulling out to know is this going to be a good day for a dog or is this going to be a, <laughs> is this a work day so it's it's funny how observant animals are and how intuitive they are and they know they know they know what you're mm -hmm. thinking. They know they know what to expect. And so why is it important? What does what does getting out and getting away from the screen do for you? And why is that so integral in what you do? It just helps me breathe. <laughs> you know, sometimes when you're you're so wrapped up in your to do list and I have mm -hmm. to do this and this and this and just stepping outside and getting away from it all um, a helps my blood pressure <laughs> and mm -hmm. my stress levels. Um, but it also helps me. That's usually when I remember, oh, that's right. I have to do such and such, or, oh, that's right. I have to reach out to that person. Um, all those things that I would never think of when I'm, I'm in it. Um, those are the things that I, I tend to remember when I'm, when I'm out with my dogs. So I always have my phone with me so I can take notes or send mm -hmm. a quick email or a text if I need to, um, while I'm on our walk. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's just good to get outside. Um, I mean, we've talked, you and I talked in our, our previous call about the fact that, Dogs, dogs understand that outside is always better. So mm -hmm. it, it's just nice just to be with her and see how happy she is and, and just focus on that for an hour. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's amazing. So since my dog isn't home right now and she's my hiking partner, um, the first day that I had to go out without her, I almost didn't go because she wasn't there to, or I was like the first mile was, oh my gosh, I just couldn't get into it. I had to, it had to really work at it because she wasn't there to motivate me. And I didn't realize how much I depended upon her 
for mm-hmm. either my motivation or making sure I was taking care of myself. And mm-hmm. that was a, that was an interesting realization when, when Abby wasn't around to, 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 to make sure that I did something. So yeah. sometimes it's hard. And, and, and I think too, it's so easy to not go out, right? It's so easy to just slog through what you're doing. In for mm-hmm. me, anyways, I can't speak for you, but for me, it's easy just to go and do the next thing versus taking mm-hmm. a break and and coming back fresh. Even if it's a twenty minute or a half an hour break, it makes such a difference, doesn't it? It really does, yeah. And it, it is so easy like, to say, you know, oh, just one more thing. Oh, this will mm-hmm. only take a few minutes, and then an hour and a half later, you're like, wait, where where did that time go? <laughs> exactly. And then all of a sudden, I can't function. And mm-hmm. I wonder, well, what happened? Oh, yeah. Take yeah. care of your first, take care of yeah. yourself first. Yeah. Your brain needs a reset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where can people find you? What, what clients are you looking for? How can I help you find them? Yeah. So uh, more attorneys and financial planners um, mm-hmm. are always good. More Uh, I always love connecting with web designers and marketing consultants because Mm -hmm. the people who do the web design don't usually write the content and Mm -hmm. I don't do web design. So those are always good people for me to know. Um, And marketing consultants are always telling their clients they need to be blogging and their clients usually don't blog. A few of them do, but but most of them don't or they write one or two and and then it falls by the wayside. So would you stop talking about me? (laughs) (laughs) You are not the only one. (laughs) Oh, good Lord. (laughs) Fred's in the background going, I told you you were supposed to blog. (laughs) Um, So how do people find you? So my website is AV, as in my initials, Allison Verhalen. It is avwritingservices.com. Great. So Allison, thank you. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today and, and talking about what you do and, and how you do it, because I hope that that's been helpful for, for people. So I appreciate your time today. And so, well, hi, Lynn. I think you're muted. Nope. Hi, Jean. How are you? Very well, thanks. How are you? Good, good, good. And so thanks for being here. And so excited for your, your say your rising up segment today. And I hear that there's, it might be a little hoppy. Yeah, hoppy for sure. So um, Jean, this week, I have been watching rabbits outside my window. So today we're going to get five lessons I learned from rabbits this week. <laughs> So you just never know where lessons are coming from. And I certainly never thought that I would be talking about five lessons I learned from rabbits. But uh, so there's lesson number one, life can surprise you and lessons can come from anywhere, right? And the first thing I noticed as I was watching the rabbits this week in my yard was they seem to have just a knowing when I'm there and when I'm watching them and I'm watching them usually from a second story window. Mm -hmm. So far away from them, but they seem to know, like almost as soon as I start watching, they stop and one of them will turn toward me. And so, (laughs) yeah, yeah, exactly. So the lesson there is use your inner knowing, (laughs) trust your inner knowing. If that little rabbit has it and their brain is about that big, (laughs) if that big, right, then you have it too. And it'll protect you from the hawks, right? If you Mm -hmm. use your inner knowing, it'll protect you from the hawks. And 
Then the, the another thing that surprised me this week was they are out often at high noon. I'm like, dudes, the hawks can see you. Like, I thought rabbits were only out feeding at dusk and dawn. That's totally what I had in my head. But I see these rabbits in broad daylight in the middle of the day all the time. So the lesson there I decided was don't be predictable. <laughs> like, right? Don't don't just leave them guessing and um, don't bore yourself by being so predictable, right? So then I also had the experience this week, I thought there was only one rabbit. So for the longest time, several weeks now, I've been watching this, what I thought was this one rabbit. And then all of a sudden this week, there were two at the same time. So I was like, oh my gosh. So that lesson is when you can have a buddy, it's more fun. (laughs) We're (laughs) wired, right, to share life. And so share life and have a buddy and do work and life and fun things with a buddy when you can, like go for a walk with your dog when you can instead of by yourself, right? I heard that today. So the other thing was I noticed they're content to be still. And I videotaped them one day this week and I decided that I would sit still as long as they did. And it was really an interesting experience. So just being willing to be still, take a break. Um, and when it serves you, be still. Mm-hmm. So I hope the rabbits and I have brought you some ideas for some things you can do this week as you're rising up. And thank you for having me on Discover Rising Tides, Jean. Thanks, Lynn. I think that the the lesson that you just taught me is that we should stop and watch the rabbits. Or whatever, I'll take the time to watch whatever's out there and just take the time. So thank you so much for listening today. Today's show was sponsored by Seaside Solutions, my financial services company. As a business owner, it's easy to be pulled in many different directions and often taking care of yourself plummets to the bottom of the list. For me, I find myself outside to reground. My time outdoors helps me manage my day more effectively and be more present for my clients. Through this, Discover Rising Tides was born. At Seaside Solutions, we truly believe that education is the foundation of financial wellness. Our primary focus is to provide guidance that is designed to help you achieve your long-term financial goals and visions. Working with a plan allows space for doing more things that you love, like being outside to make the inside better. If I can help you create or realign your plan, or if you would like to be added to my weekly newsletter, please let me know. This week's topic was five ways to set more achievable goals. Your referral means the big, beautiful world to me. And if I can help, please let me know. And thank you so much for listening and see you next time. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.